coming up in this episode of the Super Pesses Roundup podcast, we take a look at all the latest news and goings-on over the off-season, and we preview the teams in Group A from the Men's Halle SM. That's Mansa, Hervin Kantako, and Kankampan Myla. That's all coming up on this episode of the Super Pesses Roundup podcast. Episode 23 of the Super Pesis Roundup podcast. It's our first podcast of 2022, the 100-year anniversary season. I'm your host, Ian Alba, and joining me, as ever, is resident coach, it's Mikko Pirhonen. Mikko, how are you doing? All good. Back from Italy and uh, expecting the, like, hopefully, uh, the so-called normal season, and now that they're uh, season of festivities is just around the corner, and uh, yeah, about six weeks, and we're off. And also joining me is, of course, my friend from across the pond. It's Ron Bronson. Ron, how are you doing? Good to see you both. Good to be back on the show. <laughs> well, before we hit record, we were talking about um, baseball, and I think we'll we'll come on to um, the uh, softball project a little later. But um, before we do. Uh, any news or any developments over the long winter break uh, that we've had, uh, Miko? Well, <laughs> it depends. I mean, uh, it's always, uh, if we're talking about, for example, what can you draw out of the friendly games or the indoor games or so on, that's that's one topic and uh, that's always like pushed aside for me but uh, I think that no like no major news uh, sports wise no I mean they're the teams are they have been able to prepare uh, for the for the season uh, maybe the only thing that well I wouldn't even consider it to be news these days is that when I have been talking to some of my friends who work within the like teams is that uh, a lot of teams have had severe issues with COVID. Like uh, I, I talk with one of my friends who's like a game manager in Superpesis and, uh, and he said that at some point at at one point uh they had like 17 members of the team and 15 out of them were positive uh, at the same time so it's like uh what can you do <laughs> so but we 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 saw in the the Holly SM games that um there was a number of the the games actually cancelled um I went back over and um it was Three games uh, overall in the men's. Um, so Kankampa against Mansa, 
Pimply um, against Kosk and Korva, uh, KPL against IPV. And now we, we, we all know that the Harley SM is really um, training exercises, a bit of a uh, an opportunity to test out the new lineups, new players who've come along, um, get back into the swing of things rather than you know, a, a serious tournament that can uh, uh, help predict who's going to win the regular season. Um, but just looking at those teams, Mansa don't need to to test anything out. But Kankampa have gone through a number of changes, and Vimpley as well. Um, having we'll come on to this and later on, but um, Pertoruska. Um, gone as their their pitcher, and now um, you know having to completely reorganise themselves defensively. Uh, they could have really done with that extra game. Um, what, what, what do you think about that, Miko? Well, definitely. I mean, whenever you have a new uh, starting pitcher, even though they have like they they can discuss and they can like uh, go through certain details and they have played against each other and they know their strengths and so on but we all know that it's different when you actually play uh together and uh so it goes without saying that uh, that lack of opportunities to do so uh especially as Vimpeli they don't have the like an arena of their own where they could practice whenever they're healthy and have their whole team at their disposal. So, so yeah, they could have done with it. Yeah, uh, I mean, especially because they, you know, as a result of, of that council match and their loss to um, Senioki. Um, it meant that they didn't go any further in the tournament, so they they lost out on on potential other games as well. Um, of the regular group games, it was one in five that actually had to be cancelled. When when you look at the numbers, um, Ron, do you think that's going to have a, an impact on the season if we see um, that kind of level of games having to be cancelled? Um, no. Because I think that, you know, unlike the previous two years, we've been in this COVID environment long enough now that everybody understands kind of the start-stop thing. And so I think that teams are, you know, a bit more used to it than we were, say, two years ago. We were trying to figure we were until June of a season. So I think that I think it's ideal in any way. But I don't think they'll have the same level of disruption that it's had over the past two seasons because we're kind of used to this environment right now. So, no, I think it'll, I think it'll, I think it'll all work out all right in the end. Now, I mentioned a moment ago um, some of the other news, and, and we were talking baseball just before the start of the show. Um, well, during the off-season, we've actually seen one of the projects that we've been you know, following for some time start to pick up the pace. And that's the idea of there being a national uh, Finnish softball team that can compete in the uh, Summer Olympics. Um, from the reports I've seen, a um, lot of enthusiasm, a number of um, players turned up. I think it was 30 or so um, at the very beginning of March. Um, they're setting their sights on 
going for the European Championships later this year, but um, more so in a couple of years' time. Setting this this goal running to hopefully compete properly for a medal uh, in twenty twenty eight uh, in LA. Um, Mika, what do you, what do you make of the project and how that's shaping up? Well, there's been a one previous try on it, but it was just like uh, super pesis players were thrown out in the cold and just go on and try this. Of course, their level of like their athletic abilities, we all know that it's they are uh, enough at this point already. And that's that's not gonna be an issue, even though these players are not super precise players, as such, at this point. But uh, from what I've seen, and I have also talked with uh, Juha Antekanen about the issue, uh, uh, the team and the project and the the issues that they have faced, and and uh, and yeah, I mean, I I've heard positive things and. Uh, I think that when they were training and when they were like uh, there was there was a coach from they had a visiting coach from I think the Italian national team who was like uh, really pleasantly surprised by the level where they started and they he said that uh, they they could with their starting level compete on a European level already like uh, for the fifth or sixth spot on their on their best day so I, I think they're uh, a long-term term project with uh, uh, adequate uh, help from different uh, well, I don't know, different organizations that that every club, for example, in Superpasis have at their disposal. Uh, that sounds realistic. And uh, even before we're talking about medals, we should, like, uh, we should bear in mind that uh, even though Finland have sometimes exceeded their expectations in also in summer team sports uh, if I am not wrong uh, I think that over the last 60 years uh, Finland has had a team in the summer Olympics in any team sport once so just getting a team into the softball Olympic tournament would be a huge thing. And uh, I, I mean, I personally have, I have never understood that why, why they are not putting more effort into this. I mean, I, I understand that is problematic. Sorry about this rant, but <laughs> it's like, uh, I understand that it's problematic because the players want to be involved with teams and 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 they get paid to play Pesapallo and at the moment they cannot be pay, paid to play softball. But the truth is that 
if we would pick, like, if we would take all the Virpihukkaat and Emma Kerke and players like those, and we could get them to play softball. And then we would have, like, a, a four or five year project, and the Olympic Committee would, like, actually put an effort into that. Then we would be talking about a team that uh, I would. I would love to see them play against any team in like in in softball when they get some experience and uh, especially on pitching. Well this is the thing um because the Olympic games are um very popular in Finland and um widely followed um I I was obviously out in in Finland last summer whilst the Olympics were on and, you know, it was wall-to-wall coverage, you know, everybody was talking about the games. Um, so we know that there's that that kind of passion there. And of course, in Persepola, there isn't really a level where people get selected to the national game. And of course, we've got the Persepola World Cup, but in real terms, that doesn't draw in people in the same way. So it's a great opportunity um, another thing as well, of course, Mick, as you touched on there, is that we're talking about um, about women. Uh, and it, in my experience, Pesapolo in, in Finland has a much higher level of um, following and support uh, in the women's game than most other bat and ball sports for, for, um, for women's leagues do in other countries. Um, I don't know what you you think about that, Ron. Let's just be real here. The uh, women's super paces is the highest level of any baseball that exists on the planet. Like there is no major league softball. There is, but it doesn't it doesn't generate any real revenues. Women don't really make any money doing it. Unlike basketball, where we have the WNBA, but women you know players in the U.S. will often go to Europe. Russia to make you know get paid big dollars to play basketball there's no allegory for there's no parallel for baseball in that same way um and of course as you know as to the horror of my Finnish friends whenever I visit and tell them or remind them of this America we don't let women play baseball here for the most part there is a U.S. women's baseball team but they they don't get to compete at any level other than um I think there's a there's some sort of world cup that happens with like it's them in Japan or something anyway all this to say yes I think it's an opportunity um and um but i think to 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 miko's point if if you don't have the best players playing um or we can't figure out a pathway to get the best players into this it's not going to work because we only have a limited window for context that luckily it is a 2028 thing the reason it's not 2024 is because the olympics in paris won't have softball and baseball um baseball and softball were only added in a provisional basis so they were in the last olympics because they were in japan obviously um and they won't be in paris and they're going to bring it back in 2028 because the Olympics are in the U.S. So um, so we have this limited window of time where this may not be a thing again. We may not get another chance to – there may not be another Olympics of baseball. Hopefully there will be after that. But hopefully hopefully we can get it done. But this is a one-time good deal, hopefully, to to get a team in and do that. But, you know, obviously I've been really excited. I, I'm as excited about this as anything because I've just for years I've watched, you know, watching the men's game, obviously watching the women's game quite a bit, and I think – more than any other thing. Cricket is obviously very popular, as you know, obviously, better than any of us. Um, you know, the global interest in cricket 
but it's a Commonwealth thing. And also, I think that unlike say cricket to baseball to face Paulo doesn't translate quite as well. Um, whereas Paces does translate much better to baseball because a lot of the skills are similar. Ball is different, but the skills at least translate somewhat. So I, I'm really excited about this, and I think that that hopefully, as this pro, as as we sort of evolve slowly out of this COVID era, hopefully there could be more and more energy thrown towards this. Um, and if anybody who's involved in this is listening to this, um, they definitely need to reach out to me because we really need to make this a thing in the U.S. Because there's, I think there's money on the table here that could make this more of a thing. Um, cause it, it's, it's truly the coolest thing. Um, um, really the coolest possibility, I think for finished sports and to bring baseball and softball and pace follow sort of together. Yeah. Well, we have seen, um, the, the, the two sports, uh, coming together, um, uh, much closer in the last couple of years, um, on the Pasapalolito website. Um, you're talking about the skills being similar as well, Ron, um, one of the things that we know can be quite challenging switching to baseball is the mechanics of pitching. Now, if we're talking about softball, which we are, that takes the pressure off a little bit and allows some of the other skill sets to to shine through, do you think? Um, yeah, I think that obviously you'll need you need some sort of I think we've all you know, we've I've seen conversations about this on Twitter, you know, every year or so come up. Um, among Finn talking about this or something like that. And it's been more of a thing of recent times. I think you're going to have to get in. You would have to have some kind of import pitcher. I don't know that's the kind of thing that we could um, expect that if we wanted a team that's going to be competing at a high, decently high level, um, figuring out a way to get some sort of import pitcher who's pitched, pitched, who's, who's got finished heritage or is, is a Finn that is played softball so that you don't have to do that conversion because that is the biggest, biggest difference. The hitting can be adapted. The fielding can be adapted. The ball's bigger, for goodness sakes. The glove's easier to catch the ball, even. Um, but but pitching is, and learning to hit, but pitching is going to be the hardest thing. So I think that'd be the gap, but that seems surmountable to me. <laughs> yeah. So moving from perhaps some of the more joyous aspects of the news to something that was actually quite upsetting to, to see and read about. Um during the winter break, the uh, story broke um, about a harassment scandal. Um, now, Miko, I know um, that you can probably tell us a little bit about the, the scandal in some detail. Um, it, it was a story that seems to have come to light a number of years later. Um, c- can you explain that a little bit for us? Yeah, we're talking about a situation that took place about eight years ago. And uh, back then there was like, well, inappropriate conduct and uh, that was settled between uh, the person who is now like uh, being on the spotlight and, and the player with whom he, he was like in in a inappropriate con- contact with and with the player uh, with the player's uh, parents and their representative and uh, there was a kind of a non disclosure agreement uh, made so that it was settled in a way but 
what made it uh, what made it come back to the spotlight was the fact that uh, this particular person we all know his name by now his background was known by Kiritaret when they hired him and uh, this was kind of the problematic thing now that it came to the public knowledge and the other thing was that because we all know that the circles are super small in this sport uh, there were other people who also knew about the incident uh, and to be, I'm completely honest when I say that I don't know the number of people and I, I'm also completely honest when I say that, okay, I was like, uh, I was working with women super basis players at that time. I became a game manager in women super basis, uh, one year later or so. So. Even I heard about an incident that had took place, but I said that I don't want to hear any more about it. And, uh, but it's obvious that people have known about it. And uh, it's also a fact that this is just a tip of the iceberg. I mean, I'm not talking that there would be uh, dozens of harassment scandals. Now there's one harassment scandal going on in the Finnish Olympic comedy that is the number one news, like, well, not, not in the news, but it's a number one sports news at the moment. But uh, I just think that this hasn't been dealt with uh, in the best way in terms of how they have come forward with this. And uh, also, uh, one, once again, speaking honestly about this, I uh, obviously I condemn this kind of a be behavior. But also, I I hate it when somebody victimizes themselves in a way that has happened. Okay, it is true that uh, what he has said that even if he would have like served time for that, even like he said in a uh, in an interview. He would have gotten out earlier because we're talking about an incident that took place seven or eight years ago. But but still, now that now the truth is out there, uh, the media knows that, and uh, all I can say is that it's it's a really like an awkward situation. For the whole organization, I'm not uh, pointing out anybody like uh, uh, in the sport or any anything like that. I don't think it's widespread in that sense. But uh, we're talking about a club that has 
I, I think that they have been left out of the top three once on this whole during this whole millennium. And now they have a situation in their hands that is a very delicate situation. And uh, the season is already, like I said, six weeks, just six weeks away. And it has affected a lot on their preparations. Uh, even the game manager, Nala Viljanen, is now on sick leave. Uh, and it's no wonder uh, that the, the situation is like that. So uh, it's, well, all I, all I can say is that I'm, I'm, I'm happy that the sports in general are taking this direction where harassment is being condemned like uh, completely in any sort of situation or any form for what what it does to the what it does to women's superpasses in general that's I, I think that is also a one big question that how it's gonna affect on on how people from outside the sport look at this whole whole situation i i i just hope that uh it will be handled as well as possible from now on and uh then we'll see that's uh that's my long, long, long version of it, but uh, that's that's also what I think about it. Yeah. Well, I I know what it's <clears throat> I know what it's like to to have these issues in a in a kind of small knit group of uh, of people because it, my profession um, is, is very similar in as much as there's not a lot of people and everybody knows everybody. So it can be quite challenging. One of the things that uh, the Bar Council, who um, regulate barristers in England and Wales, have tried to do is, is open up the routes for people to make complaints and feel heard and be heard, um, rather than complaining to, for example, your head of chambers um, and things like that. So it's I can I can see some of the similarities and the difficulties in how these things get buried not always intentionally but because of the way the system is uh, because there's so few people involved in the sport it it doesn't it doesn't make things easier for victims to actually come forward and say well this is actually happening and i want to make this complaint and that's that's true of any form of harassment um you also mentioned Mika there that Kiritret um, uh, haven't uh, they've they've been affected uh, by this quite significantly in in terms of their build up to the season and watching the Harley SM games it it, it really struck me um, as well. I mean, sure they may be going into the season as one of the favourites, but they don't look quite the same as they they did last year. They've been quite 
quiet. It's probably the way I'd put it. Um, Ron, do you have anything to say on on this matter? Um, no, other than to say just that uh, you know that the, there's there's no place in the sport for this kind of thing, and 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 I'm glad that it's being addressed now belatedly. Um, and I hope that they that among the things they mention are you know uh, ways in place for people to be able to address these things you know like whistleblowers and being able to whatever the finish word for that is <laughs> to be able to to get to get the messages out and assure that women feel safe like you know i i like telling people about how you know finland has you know, these two major leagues and this baseball and it's really great um but if women don't feel safe playing it or they feel like they're in environments where they don't feel safe I think one thing too that we don't talk about enough, and I can say it since I don't work in the sport, <laughs> is is um the lack of women game managers. Um, like you're struck by how many of these teams don't have women game managers. Um, and I'm sure that you know they'll say, oh, well, they just don't want to do it. But I'm like, given all the people who've played this game for generations, I don't believe that. And so I would love to see more action taken by Pesa Palito and, and by the Super Paces to, to figure out ways to to create mechanisms for women to be able to you know to coach the sport at the highest levels um, too. Um, so that's a thing I've noticed for a long time. And, and I think that it's sort of a, you know, a side thing to this, but I think it's important too, that putting women in positions of leadership, not that we can't abuse either women, but I think that's a thing that definitely should be addressed too. Not that they listen to this podcast, but they should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, to to Ron's side note, I, I agree 100% that it, it I mean, it, it shouldn't be forced by some third party that now, now women should be. But I, I know for a fact that there's the know-how is there. It's just a matter of like, uh, if they can fit, uh, things together and, uh, and they also, and I, I agree with Ron that, uh, Pesapalalipa can do more to to help that like uh to make that a more regular thing but uh but as far as uh ian you mentioned that uh get it that it were quiet like quiet and so on during the like subdued during the holly sm I think that's they they're human beings. I mean they are affected by this and uh just like their game manager I I I would be like uh it would be suspicious if they wouldn't be affected by this kind of a thing. Uh especially when it uh struck so close. So uh uh it's it's just uh i i think it's not an easy situation to be a player uh on the team at right now i just hope that uh, the community around uh the country uh understands that it's it's not these players fault and they're that they're like uh, that's the sports is the one that prevails in the end that's that's the end all be all for me <laughs> well 
the sport prevailing is is uh, of course um, what we all hope uh, here, and, and of course one of the things we've also seen recently is um, a little bit more closer um, cooperation between some of the teams. Now, we've talked either in the podcast or outside the podcast about how the teams generally try and coordinate and um, share some levels of information and, and work together on some levels um, because of the mutual benefits uh, that come with that. But actually, we saw something a few days back now where IPV and Kankampar swapped CEOs for two days, um, which I, I thought was a, an incredibly interesting um, experiment for the teams. And it certainly boosted the profile um, of the two two teams as well. But um, I, I, I don't know of any level of cooperation of that nature in any other sport across the world that I've seen. Um, what, what, what did you think of the move, Mika? I think that we should we should take a look at it as a like a part of a hopefully a larger uh, scale of things that hopefully we are now reaching the point where everybody understands that that exchanging information and uh, pulling together is the only way that we can we can actually use the position that Pesapalo is now in because uh, I said this like uh, I don't know on some interview uh, a while ago that uh, that five or six years ago uh, and I think I've said it also on this podcast that five or six years ago uh, in Pesapalo, I, I saw all the signs of a dying sport. I mean, every everything was just uh, slowly dying down and some teams were like uh, profiting and they were doing well, but overall it was just like uh, everything was like... Uh, the attendance was the average attendance was going down, and uh, nobody was like uh, putting any a lot of effort into making the experience uh, like the uh, uh, game experience, the match experience, better for the uh, average spect- spectator or the VIP guest or something like that. But now we are in a a different situation that uh, even though, uh, well, the pandemic has struck everybody, but if we take a look at the numbers uh, pre-COVID, we actually had three uh, Pesapalo leagues in the top 10 in terms of average attendance in Finland. We had men's super passes at number three, Clearly above like basketball, volleyball, uh, sport, traditional sports like that. 
we had women super pesos at number nine as a clear number one in women's team sports and we even had ukkospesis uh, at number 10 like uh, so that's the situation that we're still when we reach the like <laughs> the, the year when when pesapalo turns 100 so i i think that I've said this so many times that now the situation right now is that uh, if if we don't do these kind of things, if we don't exchange the information, if we don't understand that now we have the bases loaded and uh, we just need to we just need to like make this work on every level, on office level. On, on the entertainment level, on the match experience level, and be like, think on a new way. Think like, do things in a new way. And like, last year we saw amazing entertainment uh, on like in some playoff series and so on. And we can do even better. So it can be like, this can be the year when Pesapalo takes the next step. And these kind of moves, I I mean, I love them. I love those kind of moves. They are bold ones, but uh, necessary ones. Well, it certainly looked a bit gimmicky, but the, really the message uh, is clear. Cooperation is, is the way forward. Um, especially in a sport that is is quite small, as we say, um, and, and there is that need to kind of stick together uh, in order to to help it grow. Um, Ron, do you do you have any thoughts on that? Just briefly, that you know, I've always said that the charm of this game, as, a, as an American watching it, is is the fact that it's. Some of these small baseball towns don't have the sports they care about as much as they care about pace Apollo. And so investing in these communities and, and having, you know, having the teams work together, I think is smart because at the end of the day, we all we have is this community, right? Like I, I may root against Sakamo when we're between the lines, but when the game is over, we're all just pace Apollo. You know I mean, um, because if the game doesn't survive, it won't, the rivalry will mean nothing. So it gets super important to anything teams can do. So everything Miko said, I just echo everything Miko said. I think the sport can really benefit from that kind of alignment and improving and taking this window of time. We won't have this time forever. The sport's going to get older, the town's going to get smaller. So we need to figure this out. And one of the last things I wanted to talk about in the news um, uh, that we've had over the winter is um, some articles on Hamina's website are now in English. Um, they've actually been written by me, <laughs> uh, which is quite uh, quite bizarre. But uh, it's uh, it's been a great um, great start so far. Um, getting some real uh, positive comments and some um, uh, some excellent cooperation from the team um, as well. So I'm I'm very excited to see how those uh, things develop in in the season. Um, I don't know if either of you have uh, managed to read any of the articles so far, uh, Miko. Yeah, I actually did, and uh, and 
as I've said before, I think there's a lot of unused potential over there because uh, in in Pesapallo, it's uh, we're talking about uh, I don't know the numbers in in recent years, but uh, I I used to be the uh, well I I was the head of the uh, players. Uh, association uh, a number of years ago and back then we did a survey on uh, the education level of the super pesis players and over 30 percent of the super pesis players had a degree on like of a of some kind on on a university level or a polytechnic uh, level university level uh, or so on and those i mean in to, uh, in today's society uh, it's it's a given that these players understand that they're not gonna play forever and they're they're not gonna like it's not exactly a pension fund that you're playing Pesapal in Super Pesis. It's just a plus that you get. And some players fare off better than others, but you will get people who need to be prepared for their uh, careers. Uh, also, like uh, in terms of work, where they need to use at least English. So... I'm happy that the team has taken it so well and I truly hope that other teams like follow the example because I, I know that there's so much unused potential and even though some people uh, some players wouldn't be able to express themselves like uh, 100% correctly in English or anything like that I, I think this it's the the step is still smaller in Finland to to take than uh, well then then for example if if we go to countries that where the education system is not like on such a on on a high level so uh, over here we could. We could have some surprising high-level players like like Ian. You have already been interviewing Italian players in all-star, like uh, all-time, basically Hall of Fame-level players in English, and we can use that as an advantage, even though it's it's just played in Finland. It doesn't mean that. They, they wouldn't be able to speak English. They, they need to, if you ask me. Well, there's so many more people around the world watching sports from afar uh, than there ever was. You know, people um, wanting to root for teams from all around the world. I mean, obviously, Ron and I um, are clear examples of that. But, um, you know, I... I I get messages from people from all over the place who 
want to to learn more about the sport uh, and indeed speaking to other people who are into other sports from other places around the world too and it's it's an untapped resource um Mika, like you say that you know that there is this potential much like um for example like Sotokamo did uh, in the sort of mid 2000s trying to go out into social media um a, a bit more um you might find that other teams start to follow suit in years to come and i really hope so because i'd love to see more content um for an international audience um ron w- w- what do you think of the uh, the article uh, and the news um we'll keep it up um like Emiko said, I think it's great that a team is deciding to invest in this and, and any, anything we can do to to grow exposure to the game to other audiences is great. Just like you, obviously, I get lots of, during the season especially, emails from people all over the world, Twitter messages, emails saying, hey, I want to know more about this, or hey, how can I follow this, or hey, I see you post about this all the time. So I think that anything we can do to the video grows the fan base, I think, is great because the beauty of... For the, for the people who do listen to this, who work for teams or whatever, the beauty of this sport, uh, the beauty of the sport's global reach is that it wouldn't take that the international fans to like really inject some energy into a fan into one of these teams, right? You know, hundred fans abroad, it's a big deal. Um, and so I, I think that you know this minimal amount of effort, you blogging for a team, could be could be a real plus for a team that would otherwise not get that kind of a, a, a spotlight on it. So, so anyway, so this is great. Yeah, I just need to add that uh, one thing that I'm especially happy about is that we're we're also getting the next generation of people working within the media sections of different teams, and as a result, uh, I think that some of the teams, if they if they would just think about it like in a in a just a tiny bit of a more like a adventurous a braver a more brave way of approaching like using the social media channels or the like what they use themselves and uh, expose this game to a number of uh, other people around the world and uh like youtube and twitch and whatever like you have is also using and and stuff like that and we we have young we have young people who are more than capable of following that suit and uh like like ron said that uh okay right now i i think that a lot of teams they are they are just uh trying to keep their head above the water but uh, when they're like uh, in a more stable condition I would love to see that kind of a like think thinking way of approaching things that would like look into the future like three four five years from now we're talking about about some softball and stuff like that so uh 
a hundred fans abroad would be a huge thing because if if you would get a hundred fans from abroad i think the probability of them also if you can if you have some merchandise you could also you could also use that because it is for sure that if you get 500 people to watch a game in finland they're they're not gonna well they are gonna buy some merchandise but it's uh it's a small group of people that actually do that so well i think that'll just about do the first half of the um podcast um join us after a short break where we'll be talking about some previews uh for teams that were in the group a of the men's Halle sm so that's uh, mansa uh, Hovinka, Kankampa, and we'll be right back. Okay, uh, so welcome back. Um, we're talking previews now ahead of the season. Um, first of all, looking at uh, Mansa, um, few changes. Obviously, the most notable departure um, really was Matti Varanen, game manager, um, who uh, took the team to the championship, got the championship, and um, has retired from from the sport. Um, in his place, uh, Johanny Lettimaki, uh, taking up. Uh, the fan, as it were. Um, we also saw uh, Yuhaniemi uh, leave, who um, put on quite a a good show for Mansa, uh, certainly towards the end of the season in particular. But he's now gone to Huvinkantako. Um, um, we also saw Dormas uh, Torhisari uh, leave, um, not because he necessarily did anything wrong in the in the series um and it was quite a surprise to some people but he's returning to Koskan Korva um the biggest signing of course um is Pertoruska um who departs from Vimpoli um leaves them in in the hole without a pitcher effectively or um in that quest for uh, a stable pitcher as they were a few years back um, but it does raise some questions as to where Ruska will fit in with Mansa's lineup. I mean, obviously he's spent much of his career as a joker anyway, and Putimaki very firmly is uh, Mansa's pitcher. Um, Miko, do you think that's going to prove to be a little bit of a dilemma for for Ruska in particular or, or Mansa? No. Just uh, as my straightforward <laughs> just opinion, yeah. just just no, because uh, games will come thick and fast, and uh, now they have two pitchers who can pitch at a high level, and uh, and and with all due respect, uh, we all know that like Botimaki is no spring chicken. <laughs> anymore so is i uh, i think 
Uh, I don't. Re I haven't checked this one out, but I I think he's thirty five, thirty six, something along those lines. So uh, they are the only team that can use uh, rotation, and for them, uh, the one that is not playing as a pitcher is uh, one. <laughs> I, I I mean I was, uh, yeah I let's just say that they are both lethal weapons uh, as as chokers, so so it's a it's a win win situation for me if they both buy this kind of an arrangement, and I I don't see I mean Lehtimaki is uh, he's a shrewd tactician, he will. He, he will and he has gained the respect of of the team he, he's a proven uh he's a proven tactician he's a proven winner from his days in yoensu so i personally don't see this as the dilemma uh, of the team they and as you said they don't Okay, they need to practice. They need to do certain things, but I, I, I think that they will find their the piece, their pieces pieces will fit like together during the season. I'm not saying that they will just walk through walk through the regular season and then be. A force again in the playoffs. They probably will, but uh, but yeah, there are question marks, and uh, they were there were some moves. They were active on the transfer market again, uh, and it once again uh, raised some. Uh, let's say discussion if we put it nicely and uh, but they yeah they got they got it in some players that were like raising eyebrows that why why did this why did this player come and come there and but I don't know uh, and it, uh, a roster that anybody would want that's that's the main thing well they like like we said before they didn't have their practice match as it were uh, as part of the Hale SM against Kankampa however during that weekend uh, Lohi said we're free for a game we can pop down um and yeah they they put on a practice match with Lohi who of course we saw at the very end of last year, um, punching above their weight, but hoping to make it into uh, Super Pesis. And there were moments in that series against Kankampa uh, where they, they could <laughs> have edged ahead. But when you see the difference in skill levels between this Mansa all-star team and a team like Lohi, 
or they were, they were just blown away. Do you think we're going to see Mansa really making light work of some of the teams at the lower end of the league this year? Of course they will. Uh, the numbers from last season tell it that uh, at some at some point last season when they got their uh, especially their outfield together uh, some of the numbers in their home games were just uh, they just wiped the table with the opposition to be honest and uh, they they like uh, they up the the away team scored uh, a ridiculously low amount of runs and throughout the regular season in Tampere and uh, like I said when we're entering the phase of summer there when teams play uh, let's say two three games in a week uh, and when you're one of the like let's just say that you're fighting against relegation and next up in your schedule is a trip to Tampere and after that you may have one of your main opponents coming up ahead of you it's a it's a no-brainer where you spend your energy so it goes it goes both ways so and yeah and it's an important year as well of course for Mansa because uh, Dampere is hosting the Italanzi the all-star uh, game they've refurbished and, and rebuilt the the stadium or are in the process of finishing that as well so um there'll be some pressures to to deliver um in the season but they probably will <laughs> uh, with the, with the lineup that they have yes they they will but you're right about that the uh, their activity uh, in the transfer market over the uh, last two years uh, and even though they talk it down uh, realistically also their wage bill uh, the the salaries that they pay uh, it's like it also puts pressure on the whole organization I think it can also be a driving force and they are the defending champions we know how close it was they it would have ended like in the quarterfinals and then we would be talking about pressure for them for this year but as as it stands i i, I think that uh, it's just uh, it's just a matter of finding the right balance but uh but yeah i i think that what would what could turn out to be problematic uh, in, from my point of view at, at this moment is that some of the players were 
just like with Ivarinen, some of the players were brought in before the game, mani- game manager was appointed. And as such, uh, when the game manager obviously makes their the, the game manager and the t- coaching team, they make the decisions. And there's a, there's a high probability that some players are going to be left out in the cold. But that's like, uh, that's, that's what it's, it's nothing more. Well, moving from uh, Mansa then to the second team um, that we're going to talk about from that group, and that's uh, Huvin Kandako. Um, like Mansa, we've seen a, a change at uh, game manager, um, Mikael Ranta Torica uh, left, and of course, uh, replaced by Antti Ole Saunamaki. Um, we've also seen a number of um, changes in terms of players as well, quite um, uh, quite a few for for Darko over the last. You know, when, when you look at how many changes they have made over the last few years, this probably was one of the more uh, significant amount of changes that they've made. Um, Valentin Ikonen, for for example, um, of course we talked about uh, Johan Yemi from Mansa, um, Mika Matika from uh, Pation, um, you know, and, and of course we we saw um, Demo Nikonen leave uh, to go to Povola, um and Patrick Vartama as well. Um, but the, the, there's still um, some of those key core players from last year there too. Um, so Juha Korhonen still, um, Jare Wikström and um, Kalia Tapio Husko, um, who had a, a very good season actually last year considering um, where he was when he was pitcher the year before. Um, this team for me focusing very clearly on on offense question mark still over Petri Allen who unfortunately last year suffered an injury and wasn't able to see the season out as as their pitcher um but this is this is a team built for scoring runs uh, and trying to outscore their opponent and you know you just need to look at um uh, Korhonen and uh, Niemi and that expansive outfield I keep talking about it in this podcast but it's um it's going to be their playground this year um you know if they can uh, if they can get going and get runners on base um Mika what do you think of their chances I think that we're going to see in a way we're going to see uh some kind of a throwback into the seasons where Darko played uh, like offensive Pesapallo, of course, uh, their like uh, their home stadium gives uh, the best possible uh, possibilities for both Juha uh, Korhonen and Juha Niemi. But I, I think that most importantly, now they have like uh, the the main <laughs> the core players are basically they have four or five players who are in their prime years, Wikström and uh, let's say Valentin Ikonen, for example. Uh, their leading players, Ikonen, for example, was the captain of Kite. 
uh, and is like uh, is a product of the academy of Tarko in the first place and they also have quite a few promising youngsters coming through yes the outfield is going to be a challenge and uh, we'll see over the summer how it pans out and uh, how Alanen improves but there's quite a bit of potential there so I would say that as a one-off against any team don't be surprised if they get a win like even even against the very top teams but still i think there's a lot of work to be done and it's it would be too much for me uh, to count them as one of the top five teams at this point and the big question for me is that where is the roof for this team and the organization that is actually quite healthy uh, it, it wasn't like say seven eight years ago but now it now it is uh, doing quite well and uh, now it's just uh, raises the question that now now it looks like that the top five is not going not going anywhere anytime soon in the next couple of years at least so when we play the best out of five series against one of those teams does this team have enough like do they have enough offense i mean it's like do they get enough scoring chances and and then the big question mark is will be the defense even though they have very good players over there too so uh, that's that's my take on them yeah well i always think uh, and this year is going to be no different. I always think that uh, Tarko is an interesting team to watch and follow throughout a season because, like you say, on any given day, they can go up against the best teams and come away with a win. We saw that uh, in some of their games last year. Um, they uh, they even blanked Vimpoli, if, if, I, if my memory serves me right, uh, in, in a game. So they have those high potentials, but they also have games where they just look lost and they could easily lose to the teams that are much lower than them in the table. Um, so it's it's really interesting to, to see how they'll fare in the season. Our final um, team in, in this group was Kankampa. Now, obviously... We we heard that um, they had some difficulties in getting team together for their Hall SM game. We've obviously seen a number of changes yet again uh, for Kankampa. Um, uh, Severi Pispinen has um, joined them from uh, Partioen. 
Temurauhiainen joins them from Hamina, who were demoted at the end of the uh, season last year. Um, and Sami Miklohano as well from uh, uh, Kite. So some good uh, options there joining the team. Hopefully move them in a bit more of a positive direction. But I, I still struggle to see how um, how they're going to compete with some of the other teams, say, for example, for a top eight spot. I think that's probably uh, uh, beyond them. Uh, Mika? It is beyond them. I mean, those are shrewd acquisitions, and uh, those are players who fill some big gaps in the team and create like more uh, of course Mikolan Aha brings more uh, like the similar similar kind of situation that we spoke about with Hubinka that okay Kankampa has struggled to score runs now it might be a bit easier because Piespanen also has proven to be uh, quite like he's developed to be a top level number one uh, also and uh, and and we need to also some one of the things that not all of the listeners and all of the people who watch the games they don't necessarily know that Bispanen has already played under the game manager Mika Kulumala over at Mansi Pepe in Ykköspäsis. So they know each other and they know the way to work together. And that's a big advantage when you start from scratch. And uh, they, they are one of those teams that they don't have a big arena at their disposal over the winter. And they are one of those teams who have really struggled with COVID also. And uh, so with the distances in Finland, it takes a lot of planning. It takes a lot of uh, uh, driving around to get some training opportunities and uh, so on. But if we take a look at the potential of the team, I think that... Still, the big question mark is that some of the key positions uh, in the batting lineup are not like consistently on the level that would take them to top eight, and that's I think think that's just a fact. And and it's a real shame when we talk about that lost opportunity of a training match. All right, you know, against Mansa, it, it probably wouldn't have ended in a victory for, for Kung Um But just having that opportunity to see what can work and what doesn't work. Um, and like you say, not having the training facilities on their doorstep, um, it, it makes it all the more of a... A significant loss, you know that loss of opportunity. Um, but we'll see how how they go uh, go on in the season. Um, their offense over the last few years has been really 
challenging to watch at times is because it seemed so flat or so stale or just um predictable in some ways and it's 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 one of those problems that i i think they've had a lack of consistency or, or um like you say some of the key positions in the batting lineup just aren't there uh, but we'll see yeah we'll see and it's it is true that I, I think that last year when I spoke with uh, Kulamala when he like before the season when when they were starting and he's a he's a he's a product of that particular town and he's like born and raised there be, before now living in Tampere. But uh, he knows it true and true, the the whole system and everybody over there. So uh, I, I I think that if we take a look at the system in two three years ago, uh, it was like you could. When if you went to a game over there, you could just uh, you could count the spectators when you went in, and if you went to a game with uh, Kulamala, he could name them like <laughs> who the spectators were, and so it was like uh, it had been the same for twenty years, and the offense lacked any kind of spark like any kind of spark and also last year it was like uh, i i think to i'm i'm not just saying this before because i like him a lot i respect him a lot as like uh, as a game manager as a as a man who leads a project extremely well, but but the players at his disposal, when we're taking a look at some key players in the batting lineup, yes, they put in the work and they tried to improve, but it was it was more like uh, he he needed a hammer and they gave him a spoon. So it was like you you work with that and 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 now he's got more tools at his disposal so uh now he also needs to use them better so covid or not preparations maybe whatever they are but when the when the whistle blows in 6 weeks uh there's no like uh, he's the last man to give away any like excuses. So that's we're not gonna hear any of that. So that'll uh, do it for this episode of the podcast. Um, next time we'll be looking at uh, a few more teams in our preview. Um. But that uh, just leaves me to uh, say uh, thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed what you hear, 
um, then please like or subscribe. Um, we're also on Twitter at SuperPessisR. We also have the blog, uh, which is at superpessisroundup.wordpress.com. You'll also see me occasionally still writing for the Portolina website and occasionally writing for Homina as well. Um, but I want to thank, of course, my uh, co-host, um, Ron Bronson. Always a pleasure. It's our third year doing this. This is wild. Uh, appreciate you two so much. Can't wait to see you this summer. And Miko Pirhonen. Thanks. Always a pleasure. And uh, it starts like, uh, even though now, right now, it doesn't look like it when you take a look outside in Finland and there's still like 20 centimeters of snow on the ground on some parts of the country so it doesn't feel like it but uh, hopefully uh, as we record this at the end of March uh, around the end of March uh, hopefully this season will get the season underway in the middle of May and uh, from from there on, uh, I expect a high level of Petapalo uh, and some high level entertainment for the next four and a half months. And that just leaves me, your host, Ian Alba. Uh, thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you soon. Something that's hidden far away